PDPods present the Corona Cast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Corona Cast presented by PDPods and me, Prane Budev. Up until now, we've been speaking to a lot of senior clinicians, including those from uh, the USA and from around Europe. Obviously, this has a huge bearing on people in clinical practice and those who are training, but we should not forget that there's a whole group of people that are also affected, and those are medical students. We therefore thought it was very important to uh, find out what the updated guidance was from uh, the Medical Student Council, the GMC, BMA, and Health Education England. And I thought the best people to speak to you today would be representatives of ASSIT, which is the Association for Surgeons and Training, and BOTA, which is the British Orthopaedic Training Association Medical Students Reps. Shiv is the BOTA Medical Student Rep and a fourth year medical student at Newcastle University. And Daniel Baker is the Asset Medical Student Rep and Social Media Officer on the Executive Committee, in addition to being a final year medical student at Leicester University. Guys, thanks for joining me very much this morning. Thanks for having me. So now more, more than ever, really, there's a real concern um, about what's going to happen to medical students. And this just doesn't affect those that were about to graduate and potentially become uh, house officers, but also those who are in preclinical and clinical years. Obviously, medical student is a long process. This is really the true vocation of a lot of people's lives. And you guys are essentially the next generation of medics that are going to drive the NHS into its next few decades. Obviously, there is a huge amount of concern um, and therefore, you know, I think it's important we address some of the issues and there has been a lot of uh, recent updated guidance from this. So in this episode, we really look to explore and raise awareness of the key issues uh, during this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, And I hope we can start off with you, Dan. You're a final year medical student. Uh, Tell me what's the latest guidance about at final exams, and I've heard words that there may be, be drafting in medical students earlier into taking roles as uh, house officers. Yeah, so uh, really important question. Um, thanks for highlighting it. Um, so yeah, as you said, there's been a, there's been a lot of um, statements flying around from different uh, bodies, from uh, the Med Schools Council, um, the BMA, and then mo- more recently there was a joint statement from uh, GMC and HE. Um, but really, as a summary, the um, the overriding sort of message from all these statements is that um, any final year that is going to be um, brought into work is is brought forward on a voluntary basis, um, and this is um, brought forward from each medical school. They're going to decide um, which final years are suitable um, in their final year cohort, um, and they're going to bring forward these students into an early graduation. And then these students that have graduated um, by this early graduation are then going to be pre-registered. Um, <clears throat> and then the medical schools are, uh, are going to appoint um, these students that have been pre-registered um, to um, appointments within the trust locally, uh, within their medical school. Um, and this is going to be done, so, as I say, on a voluntary basis. Um, but it sounds like they're going to be appointed under the, um, an F1 uh, locum contract. But this hasn't been um, clearly um, clearly explained yet. Um, but you know the key message from the BMA as well, which is something that's really important, is that all the appointments um, that are made um, should be made so with appropriate supervision, 
Um, anyone that is taking an appointment should have appropriate supervision, appropriate PPE and an appropriate local induction, um, which is really key. And I think this is up to the medical schools locally. Um, it's been clear from the MSC um, that any um, student that is to take up a point, uh, an appointment within their local trust has to communicate this with the, their local medical school. And then the medical school has to get in touch with the student themselves and then organise that um, appointment um, to the local trust um, with, with the student and the medical school. Um, so it's really important as a, a, a channel of communication between the, the med schools and the students that are wanting to volunteer. Um, and one of the other things that was sort of uh, raised as an issue as well, which I guess is what a, a lot of final years worry about, is indemnity. Um, so it's been released by the MDU. Um, I got an email about this. Um, so indemnity is covered with, on the MDU. Um, should a, a final year be appointed to one of these F1 sort of locum contracts? Um, However, if a, an, um, a student is volunteering as a HCA or an HCA role, that's, that's covered within the NHS indemnity and it's nothing um, that the MDU um, cover. Um, and I guess the final thing to sort of say is that um, there's a lot of talk about working within your competencies. And I think um, there's been a recent survey done by uh, the Medics Academy, which um, went to 600 uh, final year students that were um, potentially going to be brought into work. Uh, and two thirds of these were um, two thirds of the respondents to this were very uncertain about the responsibilities of their new role, which I think is a really uh, important point. And there's not much guidance on what is competencies of a final year student that is stepping up to an F1. Uh, and I think the BMA are working on a list of competencies that um, final years stepping up um, can can do while they're in clinical practice. Uh, and I think if any final year is listening to this and concerned about um, what is deemed as competencies. Um, there's a few things they can do. They can speak to the medical school for one, um, specifically when they're talking about being appointed to these local um, local trusts. Uh, but also they can maybe speak to their clinical supervisors in clinical practice to sort of establish what they deem their, their competencies are. Um, so, so yeah, that's a, a brief summary of everything that's been mentioned. I guess just one thing to, to mention is that there are some students that haven't started finals yet. Um, and, and this has been released by, um, sort of mentioned by the MSC, that we should, all students that um, are yet to do finals should be focusing on their final exams and their education before thinking about volunteering, um, as ultimately these students can't be graduated early um, and put into pre-registration without uh, passing their final exams. And I know that you're in your final year and you're at Leicester University and I believe you're, you're due to sit your final exams in a few weeks, is that right? How has the structure changed to how normal medical school finals were planned to be? So I was always due to have finals in four weeks. Um, it, it's not a, a surprise that we still got um, finals coming in. Um, essentially, due to you know the ongoing um, COVID crisis we've had, the the OSCE has been um, unfortunate to get cancelled, um, and the uh, the written exams have moved online. Um, and there's more details awaiting that at the minute. And I had a look at the Medics Academy uh, survey that had been done. It was it was amazing to sort of see. Uh, such a, it was only a very small percentage, actually only 1.6% that said that they are concerned about becoming unwell with COVID. Uh, but actually, the vast majority, two thirds, as you said, were uncertain about their responsibilities. 21% said they may have lack of knowledge if they had to step up and 11% said they were worried about their clinical skills. I think something reassuring to tell all of them is that, you know, uh, this is something that medical students and uh, hospitals are having to work with together very closely and, and very quickly. Of course, we are going to have to sort of take uh, a sort of different steps that have previously been done, but induction has been mandated and appropriate supervision has been mandated by senior clinicians. And 
for those who have uh, obviously done clinical placements and have been in hospitals, you will typically have shadowed the junior doctors and know that their role is um, vital to sort of more of the logistics and everything happening uh, in a hospital. Um, I have to say it's been quite overwhelming to sort of read how keen medical students are to actually uh, get stuck in and scrubbed in and you should be very proud of uh, your whole cohort really of, uh, of wanting to get involved as soon as possible. Obviously the main point there is you know this is an opt-in um, agreement you know you do not have to uh, decide to work in a hospital I think that's very important to um, highlight and obviously you do need to indicate to the GMT your desire to work as an F1 if that's what you want to do and I think that's from the joint statement that came out just a couple of days ago. Shiv obviously let's let's move on to how this can potentially affect uh, those in preclinical years so in the first couple of years of med students typically uh, you know, work-based, uh, sort of desktop-based uh, assessments and teaching through lectures. Uh, how is it affecting those students? I'm sure they were due to sit final soon too. So yes, um, this, uh, this pandemic is obviously not only affecting final year students, there's a whole range of students all the way from uh, first year to um, fourth and fifth years. So as previously mentioned, there are a few key issues that will affect all the medical students and that can be um, kind of narrowed down to lost learning opportunities. So um, the loss of face-to-face -face teaching, dealing with that um, loss of content and structure. Um, progression within medical schools, there might be students who uh, are yet to sit their first, second, third year exams and they don't know um, what's gonna happen. And the third thing is the um, university students and including medical students and just looking after themselves uh, during this difficult time. So the main, the main take home message is um, for preclinical students who are yet to um, go into hospital is that it's very easy to drop off in these next six months. Um, so we've kind of um, got together a few educational resources we can point them towards, but it's very important to refer to um, your own university's policy in this time to find out specifically what is happening about that loss of teaching exams and progression in relation to your course and to your stage um, in your degree. Um, so it's a it is an unfortunate situation uh, that we are in for all medical students because there is this loss of structure, but it's very important that all uh, preclinical students continue to build a foundation of knowledge in these early years um, that they'll uh, end up needing when they start clinical placements. Um, so most universities will have made arrangements to deliver um, a different type of teaching, whether that's online in the form of recorded lectures or providing uh, handouts to students. So again, it's really just making sure um, students in earlier years of medical school are aware of these arrangements so they can plan a routine accordingly in these next couple of months when uh, teaching and exams are cancelled. Unprecedented. People are really going to have to sort of take charge of their own education really and um you know as i said each university has a very different structure and very different curriculum and a different way of teaching and therefore they will be doing highlighting that individually and i think we'll continue to say that if you have any concerns you should be approaching a medical school although i'm sure they're very much in contact with all of their uh, current students 
but this particular situation is a great opportunity to really take control of your own learning and your own learning style. Because some, you know, you may be at a medical school where you actually find that the way they teach doesn't help you as much. And I think it's really important to use that. And you did mention some uh, excellent resources that are out there and we will put them in the show notes of, of this episode so people can have a look at that. Uh, in addition, you know, those who are interested in other things um, that are related to healthcare and even out of healthcare, this is a unique opportunity to, for people to really use this time to think about uh, research, to think about audit, to think about management, to think about other ways that they feel they would like to uh, contribute in their careers and use this as almost a free time that they've been given to do this. Uh, obviously, we're, we're coming up to the Easter holidays when most preclinical students will have a long break. You then have the summer term and then you have a long break over summer before you start your clinical years. So there is, you know, a good three to four months that you would probably head off anyway. It's really only the, the teaching part, maybe April, May and June that would really be affected. Um, tell me, besides that, what about clinical students? Because, you know, clinical students are in hospitals. In fact, there are still a lot of uh, uh, medical schools around the country that have clinical students in the hospitals, even during this crisis, I know of quite a few medical schools where that seems to be the case. Tell me uh, what's their role uh, in all of this? Should they be, or has there been any guidance about them assisting uh, in any way uh, with the current uh, pandemic? And what else can, what should, what are they concerned about? You're a fourth year medical student, what are you concerned about? Um, that's a really important question. And thank you for highlighting that because it has been um, a big worry for a lot of clinical medical students. I think the most, uh, the, the most salient bit of advice is to look after your own health before anything else, because this pandemic is affecting everyone. And um, it's very important to just follow the government's advice and self-isolate if you have symptoms and all the social distancing rules still apply. Um, but specific for clinical medical students, again, it's very important you refer to your own university's policy. They, every university will be different. Some will be um, letting clinical students on wards. Some have cancelled all placements. So it's very important to be aware of your own university's arrangements, as well as guidance from um, the GMC, MSC and BMA, which Danny, um, Danny kind of spelled out earlier on. Um, but for those clinical students who have lost uh, opportunities to be on placements, uh, see patients uh, like myself, for example. There is a whole load, a whole, whole, whole host of um, resources available for you to keep up, um, keep up your clinical skills, uh, such as Geeky Medics. They've got um, a lot of history-taking videos, examination videos, and there's nothing stopping you from, say, you're in a household in a uni university house with other medics or other friends. There's nothing stopping uh, stopping you from um, uh, doing role plays, taking exams, and making most of this uh, lost time while you're not seeing patients, when you're not learning uh, firsthand about core conditions. So, uh, yes, it for a lot of students, it will be um, a massive gap in their learning these next couple of months where you're not on placement. But it's also, as, as you previously said, Prana, a great opportunity to build your own goals, build your CV, as well as um, keep, up to, keep up with your clinical skills using online resources that we will uh, add to the show notes of this podcast. And obviously, the other thing I would suggest if I was in people's shoes is there are a lot of medical student prizes, uh, bursaries, 
uh, available opportunities out there that really do help boost your CV, but you typically don't have time for when you're in a busy clinical placement practice. Um, I remember applying for a couple of them. There are lots of essay prizes out there, and I recommend you do check out the Royal College of Surgeons website. You check out Boater's website. You check out Assets website. All these other uh, resources, and you know, if that's something that interests you, it is definitely an opportunity to boost your CV. The other side is. Uh, from a senior clinician point of view, we are seeing collaboration is really soaring through the roof. And this is a huge time for innovation, collaborative working, and doing things that will essentially help uh, change the way we manage potential pandemics like this in the future. There are lots of national audits that have been started up very quickly. Uh, and I think there's a huge opportunity for medical students as a group of people to work together uh, with people like you guys at the sort of leadership helm of helping build up something, even if it is to understand what medical students' fears are at this time. You know, these are opportunities to learn, uh, to present, to publish, and really highlight concerns that may be there. Um, is there anything else? Uh, has the MSC given any um, guidance about uh, students who have, uh, you know, decided to help other medics with childcare and things like that, because that's something I've heard of a lot online at the moment is the medical students at the moment, I know from, uh, from London University, from Birmingham University, who volunteer to actually help out and at least assist those healthcare workers that are on the front line. So to, to my knowledge, there hasn't been any guidance regarding um, these childcare projects um, or volunteering projects that medical students have decided to do. Um, but yes, you, as you said, there have been medical students around the UK who've shown incredible selflessness, preparation and flexibility um, and collaboration, as you said, to make these groups in, um, in different universities to help NHS workers uh, look after their children or even dogs in some instance. Um, in terms of uh, guidance, um, I as I said, I don't think there has been from the top regarding this, but um, again, I, I strongly feel that medical students who do think of helping out with childcare, helping out um, doing desk jobs, volunteering in GP surgeries, for example, they should uh, refer to the government guidance um, and as well as the uh, guidance that has been released specifically for final year students, as it, a lot of it will um, a lot of it will be the reiteration of that, um, which essentially means medical students' first responsibility is for the, uh, to continue their education and they must not jeopardise um, their readiness to qualify um, by taking on too many additional responsibilities, as well as looking after their own health. Um, so yeah, if, if you are a medical student who's uh, wanting to volunteer, uh, even if you're not in final year, you, you must refer to the BMA and MSC guidance uh, and um, make sure that you don't take anything on without knowing the ins and outs of what's expected of you. Now, obviously, the MSC is also setting up a page to link those who wish to volunteer uh, to in a non-medical role. And I think they've suggested, uh, you know, things like volunteering initiatives, assisting vulnerable people and key workers. Obviously, there's been over half a million people that have signed up to assist the NHS following Matt Hancock's request. Uh, but I do believe uh, if you email admin at medschools.ac.uk or contact them directly on Twitter, that might be a useful way of uh, getting in touch with them as well. 
Dan, uh, tell me, do you, have you heard anything about um, med students that were supposed to go on electives? Obviously, the whole world is pretty much shut down right now. The Foreign Office has said people should no longer travel. Um, how is this going to affect uh, those who are due to go on electives? Yeah, so um, I'm in that boat. Unfortunately, uh, my elective has been cancelled as well. Um, as far as I'm aware at the minute, um, most people seem to be having their electives cancelled, which um, is in the interest of their well-being, obviously. It's not, um, it's not any other reason other than that. Um, I'm not entirely sure on what the process is going to be. Um, so currently, the, the advice that I've been getting is that um, we can sort of uh, email the, the university, tell them three areas that we're interested in having an elective. Uh, and should there be the possibility to undertake an elective in, in the same time period that we would have had before, then a, a local elective um, to your medical school will be organised. Or alternatively, if you have got contacts um, in the UK, for example, um, you can get in touch with um, with those contacts and see if they're willing to, to support you through uh, an elective there. But I think um, currently with electives, it's almost playing it by ear a little bit just to see how the situation evolves um, within the UK, because it might be that it's you know it's physically impossible for um, for students to be supported through an elective. Yeah, and I think it's important. Uh, an elective is definitely one part of medical school that most people uh, remember the most. It's definitely you know you get to see how a different healthcare system works. You get to travel. You get to be with your friends. It's a very unique opportunity. I do hope that all of you guys will still get that opportunity. You just may not be at this current moment. Maybe there'll be some time in your. Uh, earlier years and um, it may even be that after foundation training there's a huge number of people that decide to take a year out and travel as has been the case over the last few years. Uh, let's move on to the final part which as Shiv you mentioned before was uh, physical and mental well-being and you know we are going to be having some podcast episodes in the corona cast specifically talking about this but obviously you guys are much younger than most of the audience that listen to this so why don't you talk to the medical students what do you think is important uh, and how can people maintain their, their wellness? So, so yes, uh, thanks for bringing it up because this will be on a lot of medical students' minds and our lives are changing quickly, probably more quickly than any of us at like mine and Danny's age have ever experienced before. And we've been asked by the government to socially distance, isolate um, and essentially cut off all um, face-to-face or social contact with friends, um, potentially even family, which can't be good for our mental and physical health. And it's okay and normal to feel afraid and worried in this time of adversity, but there's also things um, that we can do to look after our own mental health and um, well-being during these times. So look after the basics first, because it's it's a little harder due to isolation and social distancing, but little things like eating a balanced diet, getting into a routine, uh, drinking water, sleeping. Um, and in addition to that, uh, physical activity as well. It's hard because the gyms have been, canc- uh, gyms have been closed, but even just uh, walking up and down your stairs now and then, um, the government has said you're allowed one um, one type of exercise a day if you get, if you go out. But if you've got a garden, there's nothing stopping you going in your back garden, buying a few weights off the internet, or do, doing laps of your garden. Just keeping active, and I think it's very important as well um, to look uh, to stick to a daily routine uh, and your normal routine, and try to do things that are, are useful. Um, from home also 
keeping your brain active is a, ma- is a massive thing because uh, it's very easy to when you're bored just to um just to go on a netflix binge or just do something that after you don't feel productive that that said it's also very important to relax and take some time just to yourself reflect um and really just um get into a get into a nice flow of things that you do um that you can do to help yourself and um also share positivity with your friends and we we live in an age now where everyone's just a phone call away or so it's very important to connect with others as well so regularly stay in touch with others on social media um and um yeah and i think something look- important to highlight there is you know uh, friendships and you know seeing people your know, medical students are with their friends and with their colleagues all the time we are people that are people people so i think using you know platforms like zoom house party facetime all these things are really important to keep in touch with uh with friends as you mentioned physical activity is is very important to wellness and you know there are lots of youtube uh channels out there right now doing lots of workouts and things like that that are very easy to do at home obviously making sure you do get out in nature and spending some time outside every day and then utilizing opportunities uh, as you said listening to podcasts listening to music watching films uh, reading books but don't feel guilty about having that network uh, that netflix binge every now and then uh, dan we're coming towards the end of this i know that um there's a couple of uh, very useful resources like beatcovid.co.uk but there's also uh, a sort of live twitter chat happening is that right Can, tell me a bit about that because i think that's specifically for medical students yeah so there's um there's a national Twitter chat going on um, from the, the Twitter handle becoming a doctor. Um, so I think it's going to be happening on Sunday um, around uh, 6 p.m. Um, so what, what they're doing is uh, essentially having a, a Twitter chat where people can um, can ask questions and then they get answers from from people and anyone with a Twitter account can engage with it. Um, so the title of that Twitter chat is going to be um, what can you do as a, a medical student during COVID-19 which is obviously very similar to the discussions that we've been uh, having on this podcast today. Um, so anyone that's, um, that's interested on in getting some more information or just seeing what other students are doing to, to cope with their time being at home, then it'd be great to get, in, get involved with the Twitch chat and just uh, see how people across the country are dealing with it. And hopefully that will continue to highlight pretty much what we've spoken about today. But if there is any more updated guidance by then, uh, maybe they'll be talking about that. Guys, look, uh, I want to thank you both so much for joining me and talking about the concerns uh, about medical students and what sort of has been issued as guidance up until now. Obviously, we've covered a whole array of topics, including sort of this affecting uh, preclinical students, those in clinical placements, uh, those who are due to go on electives or graduate later this year, and obviously to address the physical and mental wellness of those students. Uh, Please ensure that you do check all the show notes because we're going to put a huge amount of links in there that will be uh, very useful. And maybe we can do this uh, again in a couple of weeks if things do change. Lastly, you know, last night, eight o'clock, there was a huge roaring applause uh, and cheering for workers in the NHS. I don't know how you guys both felt at that time, but I tell you what, it made me completely proud to be part of the NHS, probably for one of the first times in my career, and I'm a consultant now, uh, to actually feel that we are completely being appreciated. And I hope that medical students out there uh, truly feel that they are going to be joining something that is truly worthwhile. And this, this despite being a bit of a setback, uh, actually strengthens their will and passion uh, to, be, to be in medicine, uh, then put them off in any way. All right, guys, thank Absolutely. you so much. Uh, Shiv, thanks. 
Thank you very much and for Dan, having me. Thank you very much for joining us. No problem. Thank you. Bye, right, guys. Take care.